real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is the COO and CFO of Smart Passive Income. Welcome to the show, Matt Gartland. Thank you, Sarah. It's a thrill to be here. Can you tell us more of your story and your background and ultimately what led you or got you started with Smart Passive Income, how you joined that team? Yeah, it wasn't a direct path, I like to say. It's been a fun kind of, you know, meandering journey and a lot of kind of happy accidents, happy moments. And that's, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of go with that sometimes. So you had Pat on, I I believe in a recent episode, you know, creator of SPI. Uh, He's become a great friend of mine, Uncle Matt to his kids. He's Uncle Pat to my toddler. And, you know, that's really the beginning of this origin story, which was, my goodness, almost 10 years ago now. So almost a decade, I had my own creative agency and we were starting to grow pretty well and we got introduced. So it started out as a client relationship and started to help out with a lot of his content projects right around his, I think it was about his five-year mark with the SPI brand and what he was doing in terms of helping other entrepreneurs get up and running largely from a content first standpoint, right? With eBooks and actual books and certainly blogs and then, you know, very much podcasting. And that was my agency's focus was from strategy all the way down through execution to help what we now call creators. That's really the sticky term now wasn't really back then, but helping creators have definitely professional creators with a lot of that business strategy through content all the way down to creation and publication of that content for their brands. And the first project was very small, but a lot of fun. We worked on Pat's Let Go memoir book. And from there, it kind of kept growing. You know, we developed a great rapport and and you know, still on the services side would you know be expansive and working then eventually with online courses and a bunch of the other sort of newer things that Pat was starting to, to dabble in. So as we grew ourselves, Pat grew and there was a very nice symbiotic relationship there. And as I say, we got really close personally. So fast forward to 2018, you know, the agency world can get a little bit tiresome in general. Company was doing really well, but Pat was always just one of our best clients. We loved working with him. The team loved him and just kind of kicking the can about the future and whatnot. And we just figured, heck, we're better together than apart. Like he was one of our best customers and and he loved working with us. So we merged our companies together, actually. So at at the end of 2018, we kind of like made a baby, you know, so to speak in the business world, right? So we created SPI Media, which is a new company and I lead the business side. So as you say, a lot lot of the operations and the finance is me. Pat's, you know, he leads on marketing and he's definitely like the face of the brand and that's how I got inside of SPI. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I realized that he was a client of yours and that that's how you mm-hmm. met. So that's very interesting. Friends in the blogosphere way back then, that was thanks to Chris Gillibo and mm. his World Domination Summit community. I was out there for the inaugural year, as was Pat. We didn't know each other back then. We met either it was year one or year two at WDS out in Portland. So that old guard sort of character, right? Chris is amazing. That class of entrepreneur from that generation, we kind of came up together, you know? kind of grew up together, so to speak. I love Chris Gillibos. I have all his books along with Pat Flynn. So so you're like a, a co-owner then of SPI Media? I am. 
Yes. So Pat and I, we kind of think of ourselves as a friendly two-headed monster that leads the business. So, and our team at large is, if I get the number right, if we include Pat and me, we should be 11 people that are full-time employees with payroll, with benefits, all these things that when we talk about finances and we talk about being very studious and disciplined with finances, that's in in my camp of things to make sure that's well-structured and we have good discipline and it all fits within our business strategy and whatnot. But very proud that when we merged the companies together, the team came with it and we've grown the team a little bit since then. So that's the kind of the gamut for the immediate team. And then we do have additional resources that we tap into freelancers and and whatnot for some skills and specializations that we don't have in-house. Caleb Wojcik is a great example. He's a very close friend of Pat's uh, and a friend of mine, a great videographer. So we don't have like video capability or filming and and video editing in-house. So we lean on Caleb and his team for our video production. Yeah, I think I knew about that too. Didn't he do the video for the SwitchPod? He did. Yeah, yeah. These stories start to kind of like bump into each other. So Pat and I are co-owners, like partners, right? In the SPI business. And then as a very different business, the SwitchPod business, Pat and Caleb are co-owners in that. So okay. very different business. I, I am not a formal partner or anything in that. That's Pat and Caleb, and they've done very well with it. I, I assume you helped with the process of launching the SPI Pro, which is the paid community. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that process. I know you use the Circle so platform for that. And I talked to Pat a little bit about this on when I interviewed him, but I'm just wondering like what that process is like to launch a community like that. More involved than I think a lot of people think. And, and that's maybe a truism with a lot of entrepreneurial ventures, either at large or in part where it's kind of the iceberg uh, analogy, right? Where you see the tip of it and you think that like, oh, that's it. But there's really like so much more beneath the water. So with SPI Pro, that process, my goodness, began at least 12, if not maybe closer to 18 months ahead of when it actually launched. So our recording right here in July, we're actually at almost exactly the one year mark uh, of when we launched this last year. So we've been at this for a a whole year, which is thrilling to be able to say now. So we got started working on this in concept well before COVID was a thing in the world and everyone was then on basically, you know, house arrest at home. And then, you know, more of that kind of really flourished. And and there's been certainly massive upswing in interest around online community and community building and different forms of virtual summits and events and whatnot because of the pandemic. But but this was in the process, so to speak, well before we even knew that that was going to happen. At least that's how long it took for us. We wanted to be very deliberate with it. It took on different shapes and forms. I had an initial vision for it really born just out of our courses, which we still have and love and invest in a lot of that education. But we wanted to do more than just kind of one-off sort of education. Someone comes through and maybe purchases Power Up Podcasting to learn you know, all there is to, to learn about podcasting. And we do have some community, like we used to be on Facebook, there would be like a student group on Facebook, but we wanted to do more. So I initially had a vision for three dimensions of this community. It was actually originally called SPI Plus, but Pat and I kind of batted that around and we changed it to, to SPI Pro. We got other people involved on the team to, to help kind of mature the vision of it. Now, I guess one of the key things to mention in terms of this process point is that we needed it to be really, really intentional to the business model. So again, the, the tying this like really important finance piece is like, okay, we're not going to do this just because it's fun. Yes, we want it to be fun as well, but how does it make sense to what we see two, three, four years ahead of us, right? In terms of our finances, in terms of how we're trying to stay ahead of certain market conditions and whatnot, how we try to 
diversify our revenue streams. So what's the pricing model? All of that sort of stuff takes time to go into a spreadsheet, which is what I do and do some projections and, and all that crazy stuff. But I, I love it. So that's, again, why it took at least a year to kind of get all these these pieces figured out. And then you have to create a lot of digital assets for branding. Then you have to write the, the sales page, which I wrote. I got one of my good friends, Jay Klaus, involved on contract. So I hired him as a freelancer to consult. He's really gifted as a creator himself. And in particular with community building, he had his own little community called Unreal Collective for several years. And he's also based here in Columbus with me, Columbus, Ohio. So he helped kind of round it out for like the last six months, helped me and my team figure out the onboarding process for members coming into the community, which is a main thing. If anyone listening has an interest in building a community, you know, it's not just pitching it with a sales page and then someone pays you or not, depending on your choice of whether this is a paid membership community or not. But then what happens when they get inside? How do you begin to really invite them on some little journey to get onboarded and introduced into the different aspects of the community, however you've designed and built that out. So yeah, I'm already talking about a lot of details here. So forgive me, but uh, there was a lot to figure out a lot on the technology side as well. You mentioned Circle. We obviously love them. Very proud to be on the platform. I think we're one of the bigger communities still to date on the platform. And then we need to do a lot of behind the scenes integration. And because there is a bit of a sort of a sister company relationship, if you will, between Teachable that we use for our online courses and then Circle, we have some Zapier connections firing so that if a particular subset of our members are also course students, uh, and that this is true for us, then you know, we can do things from a login credential standpoint and open access to different things that we may want to do for those folks that have also purchased courses in the past. So it takes a while to get that stuff all connected and tested and, and launched, but it all went reasonably well. Um, proud to say we had a little over 500 founding members join about a year ago, and we have kept investing into that program. I, I hired a community manager uh, a little after launch, about two, three months after launch to just her job, Jillian. She's lovely, based in Breckenridge, Colorado. That's her job is just to manage SPI Pro. And then I actually acquired Jay's company, my buddy's company, the Unreal Collective Company. He had about 150 members in his little community. We we rolled that into SPI Pro. And then Jay's on my team as my community experience director. So that's a very long answer to the process question. So sorry. But it's taken a lot to get there with finances, with technology, with people, with strategy, all of it to bring it to, to life. How does one decide when to go from, say, a Facebook community to something more robust, I guess, or, or maybe a paid type of community? What are maybe, Yeah, I don't know if there's things that you kind of like look out for. There's vastly more control on so many fronts with a platform like Circle as compared to at least say Facebook. Mighty Networks is another good comparable option and more of a direct competitor to Circle than say Facebook, where I, I think about Facebook and other tech giants, the social media giants as public networking. It's social, it, it's almost like open and free and public by default, right? Whereas then when we think about Mighty Network Circle and others sort of in that camp, they're private by default. They are either invite only or many folks are choosing to have them be paid membership communities, right? So there's sort of a a bifurcation there, at least in terms of how, how I see the market with these different tech platforms. We love Circle in part because... It feels for those that maybe know of the Notion platform for like note taking, it's sort of a Google Docs on steroids sort of a thing. There's a lot of modularization to the platform. So think of it like Legos or blocks and blocks is actually the term that Notion uses in terms of how they architect their content pieces. So we had liberty to really construct the experience, both visually as well as the information data types, how we wanted it to, which is maybe just a long nerdy way of saying that we could design the community with more flexibility 
flexibility than say a one size fits all sort of solution that we might've been forced into on, on a different platform. That was the first thing that really kind of caught our eye about Circle. And then second, in terms of just maybe a general consideration for other entrepreneurs and creators thinking about a membership community, especially a paid one, is the finances piece. A part of this was to say, hey, we want to put a community at the center of our business model. That was my charge. Got the team to really rally behind that and see the vision there, which is that we are educating through free content down into our premium content, you know, such as the online courses, all roads should at some way, shape or form, hopefully begin to lead to the community because that's really where we want to be investing, where we see more of our competitive advantage in the market, quite frankly, some strategic advantage and very consistent with our overall ethos and values as a company. Community is not then by proxy or rather I should say by contrast, it's not like an add-on to a course. There are a lot of other folks are doing that sort of in the industry, in the space. And I don't mean to fault that per se. It might be the right choice for them, but it wouldn't have been the right choice for us. SPI Pro is built around networking, around events, around basically everything but content. So we kind of flipped the pendulum that way. And then we did put a pricing layer on top of it. And, you know, it's an important part of how we're thinking about growing responsibly the finances of the business. So as you think about community education and just customer loyalty, basically, as well as then your own finances as an entrepreneur, that all kind of added up for us to say, yeah, we, we want to invest in a private community. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know there's a lot of membership communities out there, but they're generally content based, which I think as a create, I, I don't know, I think that would be very stressful and time consuming to know that you have to constantly be putting out content. So I think a community focused membership is a great idea and different from what most people are doing. Yeah, it reminds me of my friend Corbett Barr, who's the founder of Fizzle. And Fizzle's been out there for, oh my goodness, maybe not a full decade, but it feels like it might be getting close. And Corbett's amazing. He's again, one of the like old guards. I, I say affectionately like us, like Pat, like Chris Gilbo. He's been on the internet for a while. And Fizzle was so ahead of its time in terms of like basically a lot of these constructs of, of an idea around online community and membership, but his model is built around in different forms of like courses and mini courses. And then he also still has, I think it's weekly office hours through a Zoom call for members and things like that. But principally, his community was always built on content and that was the right decision for him. And especially like way back when, yeah, at least I would say six years ago, six, seven years ago, when it's been out there, that was the right decision. A lot has changed in that time. So again, for us and how our team is built and how we're thinking about our place in the market, not being content driven by way of the community made the most sense for us. Yeah, especially since you already have so much content already via the podcast, the blog, the paid courses right. and all of that stuff. So I'm also curious about Fusebox. Are you involved with that? Yes. So going backwards a little bit to this weird interconnected web of companies. So we have SPI Media, SwitchPod is Pat and Caleb, Fusebox is Pat and me. So it's a different company, but it is the same or very similar cast of characters. Pat and I are the founders of the company. We have a couple of junior partners in the company. It's a smaller operation compared to SPI itself. But yeah, that was born of, oh my goodness, a really fun project Pat and I did a long time ago called a smart podcast player back then. Pat had the, the original vision for that. And it manifested initially as just a WordPress plugin, like a premium WordPress plugin. So, you know, got some software engineers involved. I led on a lot of the product strategy for that. And that's how it started, but it's evolved a lot since then. So today we certainly rebranded Fusebox.fm 
and it is a now hosted platform. So when you think about Circle and a lot of these other technologies, there's nothing to download and install. It's all browser-based. So we are no longer just a WordPress plugin. Now, anyone using basically any CMS, so content management system, if you use Squarespace, if you use Wix or Weebly, if you have a Circle community and you want to put your podcast inside of your Circle community, you can do that now with Fusebox. You know, it's not limited to just the WordPress ecosystem, if you will. And we serve podcasters and we help podcasters extend the reach of their their podcast to grow their audience wherever it exists. So we have arguably the best players that exist. Podcasters these days almost uh, always are not just podcasters, right? They have a podcast, but they also still write an, an email newsletter, perhaps, or they might have a little merchandise store that might be hosted on Shopify. They may be a freelancer, right? And have some services or, or might be a coach or something like that, right? So they're not on average, j- just a podcaster. So we want podcasting to exist everywhere that a creator may have reach in terms of their audience. So we've built the best players to be able to be embedded anywhere online. So that's what Fusebox exists to do. Yeah, I love it. I love the sticky player, which for people who don't know, that's a podcast player, but it stays at the bottom of your website. So when someone scrolls, have that option to play the podcast episode. That's what brought me to it at first. That's what intrigued me because I'd be on eofire.com and I'd see the little podcast player. And then I went, I forget what, maybe it was Amy Porterfield. I don't know. But I'm like, this podcast player keeps popping up everywhere. I know now it does transcripts and things of that nature. Do you have any plans that you're able to talk about as far as any other kind of features coming up? Yeah, uh, a few things. I might get in trouble if I talk too much, but <laughs> we have intention for some, at least maybe one big thing that we'll continue to work on this year. It may launch in January, so it may not be like a this year thing in terms of its rollout, but is a, a brand new player. So right now we actually have three players. It's sort of like a three in one. There is the single track player, which is like the little mini version that is uh, really great for podcast show note pages for just like that one episode. Uh, and it's the design and all the features that are sort of optimized for that use case. We have the art, what we now called the archive, which was actually the original player was the archive player, which was the more feature rich. It's larger. You would embed that on like a homepage or a landing page. It allows the user to get access to the whole history uh, the whole archive of episodes. And there's other capabilities kind of built into to that interface. And then as you spent, as you mentioned, the third one right now is the sticky player, which is it plays the most recent episode, or you can choose and just have that play like a static episode of your choice. And it's a global persistent player. So wherever someone is on your website, it stays right there. Again, sort of a three in one. So we're working on a fourth one right now that I think is going to be, I mean, fantastic, a, a real game changer. We're thinking about for this player, how we can improve commerce for podcasters. So be able to have an experience where if that podcaster has maybe a sponsor for the show, you know, an advertiser, or again, maybe they have a a little Shopify store where they sell some t-shirts or swag or something like that. Or if they have a premium feed for their podcast using say like Supercast, and and we love Supercast, supercast supercast.com, then, you know, this new player type will have some of these expanded commerce integration capabilities. So I'll stop there probably with the details, but that's, <laughs> that's the big thing that we're working on. And I don't have hard timing. My guess is it'll roll into next year because it's it's pretty sophisticated, but uh, it's a lot of fun to work on. That sounds really interesting. I'm excited about that. I think I could use that myself. So, well, awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today. I think we went over quite a bit of things, maybe kind of all over the place, but I think it's helpful to kind of see all the different sides of yeah. 
the business. What I love about kind of how you how you navigated was for us entrepreneurs, there's a lot of opportunity to get just creative with these business models where Pat and I have found a lot of serendipity clearly across a couple of different companies. We can leverage our time better. You know, these things I think matter for hopefully your listeners and whatnot that it doesn't only just have to be one thing. What I think is really exciting, especially from where I sit and, and my responsibilities and, and how I lead is to be exploratory in the business model and find different ways to find you know, certain synergies of, of value to a particular addressable market. How can you serve that addressable market in different ways? And if you can get creative and, and kind of live in that space, you know, you can find genuine avenues of, of value that you then can generate income from. So I'm grateful, actually, that we kind of like jumped around yeah. from like SPI, even to, uh, you know, mentioning Patch Project with Caleb for SwitchPod and then over to Fusebox. Well, awesome. Yeah. I'll, and I'll have show notes to all of this at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Matt Gartland. That's G A. A-R-T-L-A-N-D. I'll have links to, you know, SwitchPod, Fusebox, which if you want to go there directly, that's Fusebox.fm. And then SmartPassiveIncome.com. And then Pro, is that just uh, forward slash Pro, I think, to go to SPR? It is. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, do you have uh, a place that you send people to that's like just about you and learning more about you and all that? Or? I don't. I'm more the secret weapon, you know, that's kind of like behind the scenes. So yeah, I, I'm not active on Twitter. Sorry to say. I should plan my return at some point, quite frankly. If anyone wants to connect with me, you can connect with me through just SPI. So smartpassiveincome.com. If you were to ever join SPI Pro, I'm pretty active in there. But even beyond that, we have still on the Circle platform, something called SPI Academy. It is free. It's like the free side of our community on Circle. So anyone can join. We deplatformed from Facebook. Sorry to kind of like mention this here at the end. So we don't actually don't have any communities on Facebook anymore. So if you just want to connect with me and Pat and, and the whole SPI crowd for no commitment. It's free. We have SPI Academy and you can find me in there as well. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.